TalkZone.com. TalkZone presents Motivation with a Purpose Radio, the show that highlights the inspirational stories of people from all walks of life. Now, bringing you real inspiration, here are your hosts, Rich Hallstrom and Zeke Bambolo. Welcome once again to Motivation with a Purpose right here on TalkZone.com. Every Friday morning at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time, I'm Rich Hallstrom. And right along my side, once again, my co-host Zeke Bambolo. This is Motivation with a Purpose, where we seek to teach you to live and work with purpose. Good morning, Zeke. How are you? Man, it is, I'm good. I'm good. It's a wonderful day. Kind of a cool one in our side of the world here. Uh, but got a chance to wake up this morning and hang around with the, with the family a little bit, took the kids to school and here ready to dialogue with you. Spend this gracious time that I always have to during the week and I look forward to this time with you. So all in all, I am blessed. Well, I know this is one of your favorite weekends coming up, Father's Day weekend. That's why we have our guest Keith Zaffron. How to be a great fa- How to be a great dad is his book, and he has the uh, Great Dads Project. And we're going to be talking with him today on the show as we honor fathers and dads for their significant com- contribution. Zeke, do you have any thoughts, being a father yourself, that we want to keep in mind going into today's show? Oh, simple as this: fatherhood is always tough. Fatherhood is always going to be challenging, but uh, you know, and we will make mistakes. I make mistakes all the time, and I have to look my children in the face and make sure that I'm being honest with them and let them know that I'm not perfect. But my, 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 fatherhood is so rewarding. And so, uh, as much as we, I have these wonderful times, especially as a, as a little, as a coach of my my kids' uh, team and basketball. And so I got a chance. I look forward to these wonderful moments as a father and pray because I know the impact on my own life of having a very powerful father in my life. So um, it's uh, it's ordained and it's a, it's one that is designed to. To give, I, I believe fathers breathe life where mothers give life to by birth. I believe fathers breathe life into their family and their, and their dependents, and uh, that's an amazing thing. One real quick question, Zeke: If you were to say one of the biggest memories of your dad mm-hmm. and one of the most important important moments in your life. Uh, if you were to tell me one of those, what would it be, real quick? We don't have time, Rich. We don't have time, but I would try my best. Uh, it is just how I learned by watching my father. And the one woman, I, if I can just touch on it briefly, was uh, having gone through a, a civil war. And uh, the one that has always moved me along in life is watching my father's courage with a gun in his face and the encouragement that it gave me to live an exemplary life when I faced similar things during that uh, that time of war as well and I always talk about it in my speeches is I wanted to so, I wanted so much to stand against opposition and against the odds of death and life as my father stood and that's what I wrote all along and it encouraged me greatly to live a, a life and stay away from the, uh, the, the atrocities of that civil war that is an excellent excellent story and we're going to hear some more great stories from our guest Keith Zaffron an author and a speaker, and without without further ado, we're going to get right into it. Keith is a fathering expert and a coach, and he has learned firsthand how to father. He's an engaging speaker and writer. Keith has been inspiring fathers for over 30 years from all walks of life, from executives to inmates in prison, and showing them how they can become dads to their children, real dads, and impact their kids on a day-to-day basis. And with that, we welcome Keith Zaffron to the Motivation with a Purpose microphone. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. Thank you for having me, guys. Uh, Keith, you had a lo- you have had a lot of different experiences in your life, and you have had a very traumatic uh, experience with your own dad, that kind of sets you on the path that you're on now. Tell us about it. Yeah, I, certainly true. My dad um, left our family when I was seven, and over the next seven years or so, there was just a 
a, a lot of rejection and ultimately abandonment to the point where my dad told me he never wanted to see me or talk to me again, and then he didn't want to be my dad. And it left tremendous uh, wounding in my own soul or psyche, stuff that I had to work through for many years as an adult uh, because I had taken on so many false beliefs about myself because of that rejection and abandonment by the most important man in my life, the man who had the power to name me, in a sense, to to build or to tear down my identity. And uh, I committed to working through all of that wounding because I wanted to end that kind of legacy. I wanted to be a better dad to my three sons than I felt like my dad was able to be to me. Keith, what was the biggest limiting belief that your father placed on you that you had to overcome? Yeah, I, I may just say, I don't know if I'd say it that my dad placed on me, but certainly the limiting belief I, I adopted was that I will never get what I want. That I, because I spent my life longing for my father's love and approval, and I never got that. And it set me up to, psychologically, we talk about it as repeating without remembering. Uh, we, we recreate circumstances in our lives that replay our childhood trauma because the belief, the subconscious belief is that if I can recreate a circumstance or situation or relationship that makes me feel the way I did when I was a kid, now, as an adult, I can change it to make it better which, of course, never works. And so what we end up doing is just repeating that childhood trauma over and over and over. And for me, I took on the belief that I wasn't, I wasn't lovable, that I wasn't worth loving, and that I would never get what I wanted. And so I recreated that experience in every intimate relationship I had with a woman and every life circumstance and business situation. I never felt loved. And I never believed that I was good enough to get what I wanted in life. Keith, this is Zeke, and I thank you for being on the show again with us today. As I listen to you describe that, I want to put in a different phrase if I can, because I think what I hear you talking about, if you can expand on it a little bit more, is you adopted a position of self-sabotage, it sounds like. Absolutely. It's a great way to put it. Yeah, because I mean, it's so sad that so many of us are in this situation. But when I, I'll describe just one for you. I was in a relationship with a woman who genuinely loved me. But because I believed I wasn't lovable, because I believed I should never get what I wanted, it was like wearing a shoe that didn't fit. It was actually uncomfortable for me to feel love. And so I sabotaged that relationship, wrecked it, and broke up with the woman, actually telling her I never felt loved by her, which stunned her because she genuinely loved me. Keith, um, as, you, as you talk about that, I, you are an expert, and probably like me, we, we, I spend a lot of time around, around men who are coming from a variety of angles. And as you just described that situation right now, give us an idea in your mind of uh, the amount. I mean, it's, let's say you were speaking to a, a hundred men. What percentage of those men do you think in our culture right now will have a similar uh, approach to life as you've just described about yourself? Well, it depends on what you mean. If you mean they share my identical issue, the percentage might be smaller. Uh, if you mean that they're walking around with some sort of wounding from their childhood that they didn't get enough, in this case, from their dads, correct? that percentage is huge. Uh, yes. My work with men says that there are very, very few men like yourself who say, well, who, who really believe they had a great dad, that they would, they would want to be the same kind of dad to their children that their dad was to them. What I hear over and over from so many men is, I want to be a better dad. I want to give more to my kids. And I don't, when I say give more, I don't mean possessions. I don't mean buying them things. I want to give more time. I want to give more affection. I want to give more love to my children than I experienced from my dad. Keith, what is the difference 
if you were to give it a definition between a father and a dad. I see a real distinction there when I read uh, your work. So why don't you uh, give us a little bit more insight into what that is? Thank you. The uh, Jack Canfield, you may know the name. You may know him as the co-creator of the phenomenal Chicken Soup for the Soul series or the author of the best-selling Success Principles. He, he wrote the foreword to my book. And in that foreword, he says that, that, you know, we know that any man can become a father. You know, it's a biological function. Any man can become a father, but it takes someone special and someone who is focused to become a dad. Because dad, real dads, um, have acquired skills. We're not born with those, and we get training for our careers. But there's no training unless we had a good dad. There's really no training that comes for being a dad. We're not required to read any books or pass any tests. All we have to do is get a woman pregnant, and we become a father. But it takes a lot more intention and purpose and learning and commitment to become a dad who genuinely gives to his children, who has their best interest at heart, and who raises them with the three core fathering practices I teach men and write about in my book of affirmation, acceptance, and affection. To me, that's what a dad is, a dad who has learned how to affirm his children, to give them unconditional acceptance, and to show them true affection. Keith, I'm kind of stumbling over that one a little bit because I want to make sure that we don't, uh, I myself, in fact, just did a, a short blog as it's Father's Day, uh, about father, and I, you know, I used the word father in there, so I want to make sure that yeah. I, maybe you can clarify, clarify for us that I, that, uh, you have not, when you say a father or dad, you're not necessarily casting, I, I, I want to be careful, we're not casting a father in a negative context. The word that's father, a great especially. Point. Absolutely. That's a really great point. I'm very intentionally um, doing that, not to cast uh, a negative uh, aspect on the word father, but just to make a distinction. And that we all know that a man can, can father a child, can give birth to a child through a woman, but it takes someone special to be involved in that child's life. And so I'm just using those terms to try to make a distinction uh, but I certainly understand what you're saying and agree with you that father can be a rich word if it's understood properly, if it means more than just uh, getting a woman pregnant. Amen. Amen. And, that, and I think that that was just a make. And I saw we're on the same page now. I wanted to make sure that we share that with our audience that uh, you people can sometimes we, we take we take some literary uh, freedom sometimes to make a point. And sometimes people That's don't right. get the understanding of how that how that wraps around the uh, subject matter. And I wanted to make sure we clear that up. But let's as we continue, uh, you seem to have spent uh, some time working with uh, many even in prison uh, and so and executives. And you say there's some. It's, it's kind of shape your thinking about teaching fathers to become dads, uh, especially from a prison standpoint. What are some things that you see, noting the statistics in our culture, um, I can list them out here, but what are some things you've seen looking at men in prison, for example, and, and how that relates to this whole subject of becoming a father or a dad, excuse me? Well, what I love so much about so many of those men in, that I got to work with in prison was that they, they had owned their mistakes. They realized that they had made some very bad choices, and those choices affected their children. So many of these guys, what they wanted more than anything was to reconnect with their kids, to rebuild relationships, and to, to help prevent those kids from making some of the same choices and same mistakes. I have seen that same thing going on with dads in the free world. We used to say... Uh, when I was in there with those guys, they talk about us in the free world. There's so many of us who have made choices that we wish we hadn't made. Maybe we weren't involved as much when, when our kids were little. Maybe we gave too much time to building our career, our, uh, our own life. Maybe they were leisure interests outside the family. There are lots of dads who have regrets about decisions they've made. But I constantly tell dads, it's never too late. Our children long for us their entire lives. Even adult children, kids who are grown, still long for their father's relationship, love, and approval. And at any time, if a father is able to be honest about the mistakes that he's made, 
apologize, reconnect with his children, no matter how old those kids are, whether they're young, elementary school, teenagers, or adults, that relationship can be rebuilt and restored. Okay, Keith, now that we have talked about the fact that that relationship can be restored and rebuilt, let's talk about a little bit more those three core skills of affirmation, acceptance, Mm -hmm. and affection, and draw a picture for us of how that all works. Okay, I'm a dad. How how do I go about implementing those those things? Let's start going through the steps just before we uh, take a break here in a few moments. Affirmation is really about finding specific things in our children's character or relationships that we can praise, specific praise for hopefully more for character than for performance or achievement or or appearance. You know, we look for things that our kids are doing right when they're honest, when they're compassionate, when they're kind to one of their friends, when they're sharing instead of being selfish or greedy. And we point those things out through our words, whether they're spoken words or written words. I try to teach dads to to write to your kids. Write them letters. Send texts and emails. And don't just uh, talk about what's going on or ask questions, but praise your kids for the things that you see in their lives that you want to see more of. Because when kids are praised, they're going to want to do more of the very thing for which they're receiving that praise. And the reason it's so important not to just focus on performance, achievement, appearance, is because kids can tend to think, if that's all they get, they tend to think that they're only going to be loved if they get if they perform well, if they hit that ball out of the park, if they get an A on the report card, if they look beautiful. And we, that's not the message we want to communicate because none of those things can last. But character will. And so if I can praise my son for being honest, he's going to want to tell the truth more often. Does that make sense? That sounds great. Let's take the next A, acceptance. Acceptance is about this unconditional and unending embrace of our kids so that they know they belong and that we want them and they, they will never, ever change. And the key distinction I think many of us dads fail to make is there is a huge difference between acceptance and approval. When, when many dads disapprove of something our kids are doing, we tend to communicate rejection of our child, which is not typically the message we want to give, but right. it is the message that kids receive. So when we don't like the music they listen to or the tantrum they're throwing, we don't like a choice of friends or we've got a daughter and we don't like the guys that she's going out with. When we disapprove of something, we have to communicate to our kids clearly, I don't like what you're doing, but I love you. One of my boys has a real challenge with lying. And I've said to him numerous times, son, when you lie, I lose trust in your character. It's not okay. And I'm not happy about your lying, but I am happy about you. I don't want you to be a liar, but I will never, ever reject you. Lying isn't okay, but you are. Do you understand the difference? And I'll ask him that. Do you understand the difference? And he'll look me in the eye and say, thanks, Dad. That's amazing. That's amazing. Affection. What are we talking about there? We're talking about verbal, like spoken, and physical affection. So I try to work with dads, and so many of us, we feel limited in this. I know for myself, it was awkward for me to be affectionate with my boys early on because I didn't get enough of this from my own dad. And even in our culture, sometimes it's, you know, men with men, fathers with sons, fathers even with daughters. It's it's sometimes a little tricky, but I try to help guys know that kids need and crave a father's touch, a father's tender word, and I love you from dad, because it teaches our children that they are lovable and well-loved, and then later in life, it translates into what they expect in their relationships. They end up believing. If we love them through affection, they end up believing 
that they are worthy of good, healthy relationships, intimate relationships in the future. And that's a message I want to give my sons. More with Keith Zaffron on this edition of Motivation with a Purpose after this time out. listening to Motivation with a Purpose Radio on TalkZone.com. Back to your hosts, Rich Hallstrom and Zeke Bambolo. Yes, yes, indeed. You are here live. Motivation with a Purpose on TalkZone.com. We are speaking with our guest, Keith Zafran. He's the founder of the Greater Dads Project. And you can find him at www.greaterdadsproject.com. Dot org, and uh, you'll enjoy, uh, as you listen more to what we're talking about here with Keith, you enjoy learning who he is and what he is about. Keith, uh, just before we move into this segment, I want to bring you back with a question, but before I do that, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, I just did a short blog that I put out there uh, as well on my own. You know, we, we speak the same message here about fatherhood, about community, about our nation, and how much this is all so important. And I did a, a blog of which I did an acrostic on the word father, and I'll run through it quickly, but I want to hinge on something in particular. I, I did F in father stands for faith, faith in God the Father. Uh, a is to learn to abide. When we learn to abide in God, our kids then learn to abide in us as fathers and as men in our homes. Uh, T is about teaching. Uh, H stands for heritage, and well, what I also call legacy. Uh, yes. The E stands for exemplary, being an exemplary father, and R stands in my blog for the role we have to play in a much bigger picture. But I want to bring you back especially to the H, the heritage, and I want to give you a picture of David that the Bible speaks about. King David was a man that was that we know sought after God's heart. I mean, he heck, he danced with God. He, he so learned to abide, and all these things are such great characteristics that David portrayed. But the thing that I, I read about as I did my research was that David not only portrayed those aspects or those attributes, but the fact that David was so faithful to God, God blessed many, I mean, the lineage beyond David, uh, even like Jehoshaphat and those sort of people, but God blessed even some very disobedient kings after David because of David's faith in God and his performance and his love and his compassion, and you know, even with his mighty men as a warrior. Because of what he did, God blessed generations much longer than he existed. So when we look at dads, and you talk about, for example, why, I mean, why do dads matter way more than we think they do to our society, Keith? Well, because the very thing you're talking about is that dads have a lifelong and sometimes longer impact on their kids. You know, whether it's God-given uh, or just a natural gift, dads have been given a phenomenal power to influence their kids for life. And the whole point that your blog and my work is about trying to get dads to understand that and to do something positive about it. Tony Dungy, the former Super Bowl winning coach of uh, the Indianapolis Colts, says we have a whole generation of fathers who don't understand how much they mean to their kids. And we need to change that. Keith, that brings me to an interesting point that I want to bring up. You talk about how significant even a hug is. Speak about that for a minute or two. Well, that's when I teach the men about affection, is that when a dad is willing to embrace, physically embrace his children, it's not just a hug. It communicates so much love, so much power. You know, that is communicated through that physical touch. It's a beautiful thing, and the men embrace that power. They can give a gift to their children through the physical touch and through their spoken affection, the I love you, the tender talk, the telling the kids. You know, when I ask my kids now, I'll, we'll just be driving in my truck, and I'll say to them, hey, you know what? Spend it enough time that my kids, especially my youngest one, he'll say, yeah, you love us. And I'll pretend, I'll say, ha. How did you know that? How did you know I was going to say that? And just the other day, he said, well, gosh, you've told me like a gazillion times. 
And I think, oh, that's perfect. That's exactly the message that I'm trying to communicate. My boys know that I love them because I tell them and tell them and tell them and tell them. And each time it's backed up by, by reality, by actions that say it. And so a dad's hug is so much more than just a physical embrace. It communicates so much love, so much acceptance, and helps those kids know they're loved. But Keith, you 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 touching on something that's a little risky here, and I'll tell you why I say that. Obviously, sure. I'm being reckless of my words and taking a little bit of oh, liberty here. But but listen, yeah, yeah, you you saying something that a lot of men, from a macho standpoint, a real man, an old school sure. man, is not supposed to use hugs. Is not supposed to be use the word love. I love you, kid. I mean, we are in a generation right now that doesn't want to say you know we're progressive, but yet and still for men because we don't want to come out of our shells we're going to hang on the i'm an old school man i don't do that with my kids so it helped me bridge the gap here if you understand what i mean yeah uh you know it's really a choice and you know i it's i benefit from this in a great way because i i'm a big guy you know i played a, a national champion college rugby player played football in college i'm six two over 200 pounds. I'm in very good shape. And so when I stand up in front of a group of men, I'm a physically, I don't know, physically impressive individual, I guess. So I'm not, you know, I look like that kind of macho man. And when I'm standing in front of these guys and I'm telling these stories and I'm telling them how much I love my kids and how much I tell them and how I snuggle them kiss them and hold their hands or they sit on my lap still when I when we watch my 11 year old just crawls into my lap when we watch movies together in that home I tell these stories and it, it creates this dissonance because that kind of macho approach to life you know works in some areas but it doesn't work with children and so many of us adults so many of us who are fathers and men we know that because some of our dads were those macho dads who didn't touch and hold us and didn't tell us how much they loved us. And we suffer some of the consequences of that. So we ought to just be able to look at that experience and say, you know what, that doesn't work. And for whatever insecurity I might have that needs to be covered up by me acting in a tough way, I need to deal with that. I need to realize that that's my own deal. You know, that's society's role. But if it's important to me to give that kind of legacy that you were just talking about to my children, then I need to get past that. I need to work through whatever I need to, and I need to learn how to be affectionate with my kids. Keith, put you on the spot again, man. I enjoy. I, this is my ballpark here. I enjoy this conversation so much, and I'm with you on this. But let me throw you under the bus here a little bit more. So forgive me if 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 I if I blindside you. But we are talking about you and I as men and rich. You know, when we we understand being a father, having a child, and those kind of things, and that affection. But Keith, let's take this conversation. Even as you talk a little bit about the prison earlier, for men, for young boys, excuse me, that are dealing with the gang situation right now, for example, and usually because and they're in there because there is a lack of what they really desire, true family, in the context of family. So, you know what, they run to these tough situations. I mean, what about those boys and those young men right now who do not have, like you and I do, we have our children, we are father, we know what it's felt like to kind of have to some extent. So, where do we go with those rough and tumble guys out there who are banging? What do we do for them? Is that what you said? Well, I mean, how, how, how do we approach them in the same context of, you know, we're talking about this loving matter. That's what I was trying to ride on. We're talking about this loving matter. But yet, and so you're, you're boys who do not have any right. context. I mean, wh- right. wh- yeah, how, do we, how do we approach them in, in, a, in a discussion of this nature? Fatherhood. Yeah, well, I, I can only approach that from my experience. I, I haven't worked with gang members outside of prison. I've only worked with the gang bangers who are in prison and who are saying, who are telling me their stories about why they chose the gangs. They're listening to my stories about my pain with my relationship with my dad and then the joy of my relationship with my kids. And they typically wanted more. And I'll tell you, I had time and time again, I'll tell you one guy, a big, strong uh, black man, bald head, barrel chest, after sharing the pain of my relationship with my dad one evening in prison, he came up to me and stood in front of me, looked into my eyes, and just started weeping almost uncontrollably. 
and I wrapped my arms around him. He buried his head into my chest, and he proceeded to tell me that when he was six years old, he saw his father shot to death in front of him, and he burst out into tears, and I held him, I held him, and I, um, I, I didn't even realize that I was beginning to rock him, kind of like, you know, you would a, a crying baby. And this man, you know, he must have been 250 pounds. And then he told me that the man who shot his father was his grandfather, his dad's dad. Wow. And I remember thinking, my goodness, how does a man ever recover from this? Like, how does he, what, what does that do to this man's image of father, of dad? And how is he ever going to be? you know, lovingly present and affectionate with his own kids. And while I'm thinking these kind of thoughts, it's hit me that what was going on in that moment. Here I am, you know, a man, a father figure, you know, older than this man, bigger than this man, or taller anyway. And here I am holding him, rocking him, allowing him to voice pain that he may have never spoken about in his life. And I thought, this is divine. Like, this is... This is like God's work. There's healing going on right here. And so, you know, it's an indirect answer to your question about kids and gangs, but I think the reality is we have to be honest ourselves. We have to open up our own pain. We have to be willing to get close and listen to theirs. And when opportunity presents itself, be willing to step outside the culture, cultural barriers and be like a real dad, like a surrogate dad to these young kids. Because as you said, Zeke, most of these kids are getting into gangs because they're lacking the family. And they're looking for that kind of fathering mentor, the, the leader, the role models in the gang, and the family experience. 85% of youth sitting in prison today were fatherless. 85%. So we need to step in as surrogate fathers and provide that kind of role model and affection that can lead them in a more positive direction. Okay, Keith, how does we, how, or should I say, how does a father, uh, let me phrase this correctly, I want to make sure that I get this right. How does a man move beyond what he has been taught by his own father? I think that's mm -hmm. to the to mm -hmm. the point where we're at in our conversation. You've set it up perfectly. Yeah. How do we move yeah. beyond that? Take Great us question. through that. Well, what I what I try to work through with men is what I've written in the second half of my book on healing the father wound, and it's what I worked with guys the guys in the prison for six years. That's where I. I don't want to say perfected, but that's where I, I spent so much time working with these guys because they were so wounded and the wound was so obvious and yet they were willing to be open and honest. And so I teach men uh, the process that I went through myself of beginning to identify that wound in our psyche. That so many, like I said, the broken relationships I was having, the sabotaging Zeke that you pointed to, I began to identify that those were not just problems I was having in my life. Those were actually problems in my soul. Right. That those, those were manifestations of a, of a father wound. It was my inner life that was causing my outer life uh, to be the mess that it was. So I teach guys to identify that wound and then secondly to embrace it, to not deny it, not run away from it, not medicate it with alcohol or extreme sports or women or you name it but to just embrace it and say, okay, that wound is there, and that's what it is. I've identified it, I've embraced it, and then moving in the direction of healing, which will involve at some point forgiving your father for what he did or didn't do. It will mean embracing uh, a power beyond ourselves, the kind of faith that you were just talking about, Zeke. If a man believes in God, then it's welcoming God into that healing experience. If a man doesn't have that kind of faith, there are other ways to do that that I work with men on. But it's we're reaching for that power that's greater than ourselves and then actually beginning to reparent ourselves. I know in my long journey and process myself, there was a time when I finally realized 
that if I'm going to get the kind of fathering that I really want, I'm going to have to do it for myself. And I realized at that point, I'm not just the father of these three remarkable young men that I get to be a dad to, but the same way that I'm a dad to them, I can be a dad to myself. A few years ago, I actually wrote myself a Father's Day letter, just affirming myself to the dad that I had become. The same kind of affirmation that I constantly give to my sons, I gave it to myself. And it felt great. You know, it's like that. Those are the kinds of words that I always wanted my dad to say to me. He wasn't able to. But there's nothing that prevents me from saying it to myself. And it's part of the healing journey. It's part of growing up to be a man and a great dad today. Keith, if I wanted to start a letter like that, if I was listening to the show, um, yeah. what what kind of tips would you give me in starting a letter like that or a postcard or maybe a tape recording? Maybe some kind of tape recording, you know, a conversation with my dad. If I was, have, if someone out there in our audience wants to have that conversation, how how yeah. should they go about that? I would say that the way I started was I spent some time very quietly going within. Um, some people call that prayer. Some people call it meditation. But getting in touch quietly with my own soul and my higher power or my God, and then. Uh, writing as if I'm writing to my own son. So I imagined either like God writing to me or and then myself writing to my own grown son. So I imagine myself as a you know a sixty year old man writing to my twenty five or twenty eight year old son who is just uh, the new father himself. And as I did that, it was almost as if I, I found um like the inner wise man within me, the older wiser man within me. And then I began to write and saying, what would I write to my 28-year-old son who now has you know, a four-year-old and a two-year-old? What kind of things would I look for? What would I praise? What would I encourage? And then I just began to look for those things in my own life. Was, was I a man who was willing to sacrifice some of my own needs for the needs of my children? Was I present? Did I spend time with my kids? Did I affirm them? Did I demonstrate acceptance? Was I affectionate? And each, and I would just look through my relationship with my children, and each time I identified something that would answer those questions, I would praise myself for it as if it were my father doing it for me. It was a beautiful healing experience. Keith, that's uh, that's good stuff. Yes, what we wanted. We're going to take a break here in a little bit. But when we come back, I, I start to think about this for a little bit. We've been talking about this subject mainly from almost, if I can say, that son's perspective, you know, that father won on us as young people and where we are right now. We want to move the discussion to what if we have fathers out there that don't feel they've done a great job. How can we help them in this conversation as well? So when we come back, we'll go there. Ladies and gentlemen, we have been speaking with Keith Zafrin. He is is the founder of the Great Dads Project, and we are always, as always, on Friday mornings here on the West Coast especially, we are here on Motivation with the Purpose on TalkZone.com, and we'll be right back with more of a talk with Keith. It's time for more Motivation with a Purpose Radio on TalkZone.com. Now, back to your hosts, Rich Hallstrom and Zeke Bambolo. Back to Motivation with a Purpose right here on TalkZone.com. Our guest is author Keith Zafrin, author of the book, How to Be a Great Dad, No Matter What Kind of Father You Had. He is also the head of the Great Dads Project, and you can reach him there at the GreatDadsProject.org. Keith as we uh, mentioned before we went to break, we wanted to talk about what can dads do that have not been great dads so far? How can they turn it around? What can they do to, to uh, recover from those regrets? Let's talk about that a little bit as we continue our conversation. Yeah, Rich, we're, we're talking about that, those things that I'm trying to communicate with men through that book. Uh, how to heal their own father wound, we were just talking about. 
and then how to, how to apply those three core fathering practices I teach of affirmation, acceptance, and affection. That's how they can turn it around. Because so many of us who didn't get quite everything we wanted from our dads, those are the very things that seem to be lacking. Dads who said they were proud of us, dads who never rejected us, and dads who could say simply, I love you, and communicate that with a hug, a kiss, you know, some sort of physical or verbal way that made us feel loved. That's how we can turn it around. Keith, this is Zeke here, and I, and I want to I want to give you kind of kind of a little bit of a role play if we can. I, yeah, I'm, I'm a guy, obviously. Sure. I, I like this putting you on the spot thing, but so I'm, 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 a, I'm a young man. I um I'm a, well, I'm a father, excuse me, who has really uh, because of my desire so much to want to see the best of my children, you know, and I want to push them hard because I don't want them to be weak in terms of their their, their uh, fortitude or, or these other things of life that I know the real world is going to challenge. And so because of my desire to want to be a father of, of such a great proportion, I have literally pushed my kids to the edge and I've alienated my kids from any desire to want to be around me. And, uh, you know, how, how do I go about coming to some place of repairing such a relationship as a father? Give me some point. Give me just, you know, role play with me. Ask me some questions if you like. But how do we get up? How do we go? How do we do that? Wonderful. Wonderful question, because your point is something that's really common. Uh, I think it's, again, it's identifying where a dad may have gone wrong. And when a dad is willing to see that, and to say, and to say not just to himself, but even to his children and perhaps to his partner or wife, you know, I made a mistake here. Uh, maybe give you an illustration. The other, uh, a couple of years ago now, uh, my youngest son, uh, who is just so full of life and energy and he's just, uh, boisterous personality and often he will speak before he thinks. Uh, he said something that, and did something that really hurt one of my other sons. And it made me angry in the moment. And I lashed out at him. I grabbed him and I spanked him and I sent him up to his room with a harsh word. <laughs> he went to his room and there was just silence. You know, my other sons and uh, my wife uh, looked at me and just thought, oh my, like that was over the top. Mm. And I knew it. And in that moment, I had that same struggle that probably every dad has to just uh, brush that conviction away, mm. to say, well, he deserved it, or I didn't hit him that hard anyway, or you know, to somehow justify what I just did because I was feeling bad and I don't like feeling bad, or embrace what I did, confess it, and do something about it. So I went up to the, my son's room. I knocked on the door. I opened the door, and he was sitting on the floor with his back to the door, crying. I walked in the room. I sat down on the floor right behind him, kind of pulled him closer to my body. So he was right next to my chest, his back against my chest. And I just said to him, Kai, I really blew it down there. I was wrong. What you did was not okay. But it made me angry. And it was okay for me to be angry because what you said to your brother and what you did to him was not right. It was okay for me to be angry. It was not okay for me to spank you like that, to speak to you the way I did and banish you from the room. I was wrong, son, and I'm sorry. And he just sort of melted. He leaned back into my chest, still sobbing, you know, trying to get his, his composure. And he just said, thanks, Dad. And I said, and besides, it probably made your butt red. And he just bursted out laughing. And it was just a moment, you know, it kind of broke the tension of the moment. But it was because I was able, as a big man, to say to my little boy, I was wrong. And I'm sorry. And that's what I would say to the dad who realizes he's been pushing his children too hard some, some of that from good motive, mm. wanting them to be disciplined, wanting them to achieve their best, wanting them to reach beyond status quo. But if he's been pushing too hard, is what you said, if he's been doing that more because for his own need 
or he wants him to be impressive in someone else's eyes, whatever it is, if he realizes it's too hard and he's hurt his kid somehow, I encourage him to be honest about that with himself, apologize to his kids, and draw them close again. Kids are amazingly forgiving and resilient when they know they're loved. Zeke, you've mentioned God and uh, Scripture and uh, King David. You may know, too, the, the beautiful Jewish proverb that says, Love covers a multitude of transgressions. That is so true in my parenting. I have needed that proverb to be true more times than I would like to admit. Love covers a multitude of transgressions. Kids are incredibly resilient, forgiving, when they know and feel they are loved. Keith, those are great examples. I want to add one more element to our conversation here. Um, Mm -hmm. Is your book mainly for fathers, or is there something that moms can get out of this uh, process, and how can moms be involved in this whole process of supporting dads, uh, you know, being the dads that they're supposed to be as we uh, come up on this uh, Father's Day weekend? What would be your words of wisdom to moms? I, I intentionally wrote the book for, for men, not just dads, because half the book is about us men dealing with our own fathers. So it really is written for men, and particularly those of us who are dads. And yet, um, three of the endorsements I include at the beginning of the book are for moms, who say that it was an incredible read for them. One of them was actually from one of my editors, who wrote, I'm not even the target audience for this book, she said, and yet I cried my way through it. She said she gained so much insight about her relationship with her own father, and in her mothering of her grown stepson. So the moms who've read the book have found a tremendous help, insight uh, in their own lives as daughters and as mothers, but also as what you were just pointing to, Rich, ways that they can help their their men be better dads. So I, I think it is a gift. I think it might be a great gift for Father's Day, to tell you the truth. Excellent, excellent idea. What is one way, if I'm a mom out there listening to this show Mm -hmm. right now, that I can support my husband being a better dad? I'll give you one. I wrote an article that gives five ways that uh, moms can help dads be better dads, but the one I would point to, if you just want one, is I would say that because so many of us men did not get enough affirmation or praise from our own dads, because so many of us are still longing for the words, I'm proud of you, to come from our dads. Many men today, I I would say, are kind of affirmation junkies. Like, we need and we go wherever we're praying. It's one of the reasons I think too many men spend more time at work than they probably should uh, and not enough time with their families, because at home, sometimes we're not getting that affirmation. We don't, maybe we don't feel quite adequate as a father. We don't really know what to do. We're not trained for it. But most of us have training for our work or our careers, and we're pretty good at it. And we get affirmation. We get raises and bonuses and offices and sometimes cars and hats on the back. And, man, you did a great job on that. And because so many of us men are starved for affirmation, we go where we're receiving that affirmation. Now, if a woman knows that, she can use that, in a sense, to her advantage and to the advantage of her family. Because if men flock and are drawn to the places they're affirmed, then a woman can take that information and begin affirming her man for the way he fathers. And even if 95% of what he does is not very good, look for and then praise the 5%. Because, for instance, when a, when a woman says to her man, oh, watching you read to our daughter tonight was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. What do you think that does inside the man's heart? Do you think that man wants to read to that daughter again tomorrow night and the next night and the next night? You bet he does, because he loves to hear that kind of praise from his woman. When she says... 
it is so great having you home for dinner. I'm telling you, the kids just light up. They're so different and so much happier when you're here than when you're not. Now, that's the same message. Then, And if she says to him, how come you're never home for dinner? Do you realize how much our kids miss you? Same point, but communicated in a completely different way. The criticism may send the man further away. The affirmation draws him home. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. That's amazing, Keith. Good stuff, Keith. Good stuff. Um, yes, we're coming to a wrap of the show here pretty quickly, and I want to start to wrap our thoughts together. We here's what I want to throw for you as you kind of bring it all, tie it all together, try your message that you want our audience to hear together. But we live in a society, a culture that is not only distracts us as husbands and fathers with everything else out there in terms of the the billboards and you name it, internet and everything else, and sports, you know, we gotta watch the NBA finals or the hockey finals. We gotta see that game or else I'm not gonna spend that time on the baseball field. I mean we've got all these things that are telling us, you know what, we gotta be more macho than that. You can't be soft. Yet still all this time Keith, the word that keeps you humming in my head is even from a father's standpoint and a macho man, a big man like you and I are, is humility. Humility, be humble, be, you know, and go in there with, with, with that. Does, nobody said be weak and be pers- uh, persuaded by everything out there. Be stern, but you can be humble and stern. Can you put it, can you bring us together? Can you pull us together with all this discussion for us? Uh, I think that's beautiful, Zeke, because it, it truly is humility that allows a man to identify where he's been wrong, to apologize to a, his children, and to realize that he's actually being stronger in that moment than any macho man who has to cover up insecurity. Humility, uh, the proverb says, is, is a gift. It's a gift of God. It is one of the most beautiful character qualities that I hope I'm able to instill in my boys. And as I try to model it before them, um, it's a beautiful thing. I'm glad you brought that up. Keith, in our remaining moments, uh, tell us once more about the book and where to get it and how to get in touch with you at The Great Dads Project. Thank you, Rich. Uh, The book is called How to Be a Great Dad, No Matter What Kind of Father You Had. You can find it on my website at thegreatdadsproject.org. Dads is plural, greatdadsproject.org. You can contact me and uh, get the book at that website. Excellent. Excellent. Keith, if you had one thing to say to fathers out there as a piece of advice going into uh, Father's Day weekend, what would it be? I would say great dads shape great kids. So be a great dad today. Excellent, excellent. Our guest has been Keith Zaffron, author of the book, How to Be a Great Dad, No Matter What Father You Had, and creator of The Great Dads Project. Join us next time for another exciting story right here on Motivation with a Purpose on TalkZone.com. 